0: I'm James Day, and this is Focus on Pocus, a podcast about current topics in point-of-care ultrasound. So today, we're going to try a little variation on our normal show. We're going to do some brief interviews with presenters at the Pocus World Virtual Conference to take place on September 17th and 18th, 2021. This virtual conference is designed to unite a global community in education and action. We have with us Dr. Josh Davis, who will be presenting Diagnosing Appendicitis with POCUS. And Bishoy Gali, who will be presenting The Use of MSK Ultrasound in the Differential Diagnosis of Ulnar and Medial Neuropathies at the Wrist. First of all, how are you guys today?
1: That's yeah, feeling awesome. Yeah, I'm doing great. Thanks for asking.
0: Okay. So uh, we have uh, Josh, I know, is in Wichita, Kansas. Uh, Bishoy, where are you located?
2: Yeah, I'm
0: located in New York. Oh, good. Okay. Well, we're in the same time zone. That's comforting. Yep. (laughs) I know the time zones went out. It's almost like music. It's like, okay, guys, we're in the key of B flat, and then everyone's in a different key, and we got to get in the same key. So we're all here. It's a good thing. So I'm going to shoot this one to Basoy first. Uh, How important is an event like the Point of Care World Conference for the POCUS community?
2: It's actually very important, and it's a good opportunity for clinicians from all over the world to get connected, to network, and to share ideas and the new in the subject. So I really find it's really helpful for networking and for anyone who wants to um, learn more about the current uh, trends in The field, actually, you can join and then you will have like three tracks that you will be able to uh, follow either clinical applications, educations or medical trends. So it's really helpful. Also, you'll be able to connect to education providers. So if you want to learn more about any subject, Point of Care Ultrasound Certification Academy, they have their own education providers when you can connect to them and learn more about that. And another thing that's really helpful is the continuing medical education. So I think this is a very special event that we are about to um, attend.
0: Yeah, I agree. You know, although it, it is nice to go see a new city once in a while, but with the pandemic and all, we can do everybody all over the world.
2: Yeah, COVID changed lots of things. So now we have the ability to attend many conferences virtually. So this is really good opportunity.
0: Uh, Dr. Davis, so you want to tell us about the development of pocus in your region and obstacles to implementing pocus in your practice?
1: Uh, yeah, so so um, when I came out of residency, I was really one of the kind of pioneers to push for kind of point of care ultrasound development. We had a point of care ultrasound in our emergency department, which is where I practice, uh, but really didn't have a program kind of up and running. and so the first part is kind of the um, educational portion. And so, you know, getting everybody comfortable with certain portions of of point-of-care ultrasound, depending on at what time you trained in emergency medicine, different people have had a different amount of exposure. Those of us who trained more recently have a fair amount, whereas some of the people who trained many years ago or maybe even didn't go to a specific emergency medicine residency have had much less. There's some administrative and um, uh, legal kind of things that you have to do to get a program set up, um, including like storing images and quality improvement reviews. Uh, And then you really have to get the adoption of your group and your, your colleagues as well. So um, if you're going to be using kind of point of care ultrasound for things, you know, emergency medicine has a touch point in many different places in the hospital in the OR and inpatient paramedics, family medicine. And so if you're going to implement that, you really have to gradually work on kind of relationship building for for what its uses are and, and how it can be utilized by the rest of the team. And there's a lot of steps that, that can kind of go into that. And it takes a, someone who's had experience even more than me. I had to reach out to some of my colleagues to find out kind of how they were successful in that.
0: And Josh reminded me, I <laughs> before the show, I uh, he was at Thomas Jefferson University Medical Center and the simulation. And was it took me a while to remember him through the avalanche of medical students over the years. But I do remember him. You were involved with uh, UltraFest, with Matt Field, um, Ben Hernandez, uh, mostly all the ER physicians uh, trying to integrate this into the curriculum and starting clubs and doing... Um, POCUS Fest and those kind of things. I do remember that, Josh.
1: Yeah, that was a great time.
0: Yeah. I do remember uh, slipping uh, the stuff you guys wanted in my simulation budget for the ER. (laughs) 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 So that's great. How about, uh, Dr. Gali? how about in your region? What are the obstacles and the challenges implementing POCUS in your region?
2: So... Actually, um, we practice here in New York and we have like a clinical electrophysiology practice where we provide nerve conduction studies and electromyography. Now to incorporate, musculoskeletal ultrasound in that practice, a lot of people kind of like missing the basic education. Um, so, we need more of providers, uh, education providers to teach the musculoskeletal ultrasound. So, this is kind of like the, the main obstacle that we have at the moment. But again, with programs like the uh, education provider program that offered by the Point-of-Care Ultrasound Certification Academy, now it becomes more and more easier. Now, another thing that we have is the um, um, cost of obtaining a musculoskeletal ultrasound machine. While this was before, now it's a little bit easier because now we can easily use the handheld um, ultrasound probes, and it's not costly as it used to be. So um, I think that's that's the main two things that we have. Uh, Another thing is a lot of people kind of like debate between if, if we we can do nerve conduction studies and electromyography to evaluate the nerve, why we need to see the nerve on ultrasound. So um, a recent article that was like published in the JOSPT journal, i just published it like about uh, a week ago, something like that, mm-hmm. and it talks about the ulnar neuropathy at the rest. So... There is a big difference between just evaluating the nerve with nerve conduction studies and electromyography and between using the musculoskeletal ultrasound. The EMG nerve conduction studies that will evaluate the pathophysiology of the nerve, which is completely different than what we evaluate on the ultrasound. On ultrasound, we will evaluate the morphology of the nerve. We can miss up to 15% you know, up to 15% of the cases just because they don't have physiology that we can evaluate with the nerve test. But on ultrasound, it will complete. It will be a complementary to our practice, and then this will add more confidence in calling um, the condition. So those are uh, the obstacles that we have currently in the practice.
0: Right. So you sort of highlighted about what you're going to be speaking about in the conference um The use of MSK ultrasound and differential diagnosis of the ulnar and the medial neuropathies at the wrist. Do you want to speak more to that?
2: Yeah, so actually we will, um, it's about a case study that we present, Mm -hmm. and based on that, we will be able to see that we have a value that a lot of people kind of like miss when it comes to evaluating the nerve pathologies at the rest. So, um, for example, as I said, there is a big difference between the pathophysiology and the morphology of uh, the nerve itself. And we will talk about the specificity and sensitivity of both testings. And you will you know, find that also musculoskeletal ultrasound provide a whole different perspective to evaluate the nerve. It's really important. It will help uh, if you're missing, especially with patients with very mild or subtle uh, pathologies at the hand mm-hmm. from those nerves, you will be able to find that, yes, we can really by adding musculoskeletal ultrasound, the neuromusculoskeletal ultrasound to your practice, you'll be able to easily do that instead of referring to MRI, which is like more costly than the ultrasound.
0: Right. Yeah. That's a good point. Yep. So, uh, uh, Doctor Davis, you're going to be speaking about appendicitis. That's that's a hard scan to nail sometimes.
1: Yeah, it, it definitely takes takes some practice. Um, I, I've been doing a fair amount of work on looking at kind of point of care ultrasound for appendicitis, um, and I, and I really have found that that it is helpful in in many cases. Um, you are absolutely correct that it is a, a difficult scan, even for the most experienced sonographers to to uh, identify the appendix in. Many adults, pregnant patients, I think there are a lot of limitations that we talk about in the in kind of the talk that I'm giving, but I think in the right patient population, it can expedite care, decrease radiation exposure, um, and it also can, like, increase emergency department, like the stay, for kind of low-risk patients as well, and so I think there are a lot of uh, uh, great uses for it, and I think it definitely adds benefit. Um, it's definitely not a 100% accurate test, uh, so we go through some of the limitations there, but... Um, but that being said, I think if you practice it, you can get good enough good enough at it that it can, it'll can it be definitely helpful and kind of practice changing, really.
0: And so that's what you think the attendees will take away from the conference?
1: Yeah, I, I hope that, that the people uh, at the conference will realize that it is something that you can train yourself to do. I, too, thought that I would never be able to identify an appendix ever on ultrasound uh, when I first started. And now I've gotten decently good at it to know when I see it, know when I don't, and and be confident in my decisions based on that.
0: Yeah. I, I, I think part of the problem is it's just so much variation of where it actually is in the population. Um, so it's hard to find the appendix many times. So I'm looking forward to that. That is one that will be very helpful, especially in pediatric population. Are you going to focus on pediatric or adult mostly?
1: Uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about both. So, okay. so we're definitely going to be talking a little bit about both. Yeah. You know, as you mentioned, it, it seems to be easier in, in the kind of pediatric population. You don't have much kind of, you know, fat and bowel gas and stuff in, in the way. So, and mm-hmm. you can get a little bit more detail when, there, when there's uh, less of that in the way. So,
0: And Dr. Gallier, um, what do you think the attendees would hope to, or you'd like to think would take away from, you know, your lecture and the conference?
2: Actually, they will be able to, you know, see a new perspective of using musculoskeletal ultrasound in evaluating the nerve mm-hmm. problems. So this is one thing from my lecture. But other lectures that you will, you know, find during the conference events, um, you can. You know, see the clinical applications, the education, the medical trends. I actually was surprised that I found a presentation about um, the application of telemedicine of ultrasound based on a f- uh, 5G network. This is something really interesting and I'd like to to see mm-hmm. what is that exactly about, especially after COVID. Uh, you know, uh, a lot of people now um, kind of like move to telemedicine and we need to know more about that and how we incorporate also with the 5G network. So whatever... Uh, the attendee like to, um, you know, get exposed to, he will, he or she will be able to find out uh, more about that. Um, plus also the continuing medical education, that's something that really helpful for lots of people. It's about, you know, the maximum you can get out, I think it's about 24 continuing education units, something like that. So that's really helpful.
0: Yeah, that's for sure. Keep them CMEs. So listen, uh, Dr. Davis, Dr. Gallier, it was great having you today on this, you know, short Podcast. Perhaps we can bring you back later in the year for a more drill down, uh, detailed podcast. It's an honor, and we thank you for all you do to increase patient safety.
2: Absolutely. It's our pleasure. Thank you. Yes,
0: thanks. And don't forget for more POCUS style topics, follow us on Facebook at POCUS CERT Academy and Twitter at POCUS Academy.